It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down An American loser the day I was born Hey there folks, the show's called America. We don't have to do that. We don't have to explain the show. This <laughs> yeah, is a Patreon know. exclusive. They know already. They know the deal, Dad. Say hello to the people. Hello, people. How are we all doing? And thank you for being there. The good folks over at the Founding Losers, we appreciate you guys. We are uh, we're rolling deep, man. Every time we lose somebody, we gain two back, which I like. That's, That's right. <laughs> One step back, two steps forward. Yeah, sometimes people come back on because maybe uh, they're feeling generous or they enjoyed a topic or something like that. Or we get some new people that come through or some people just who were supporting us. They couldn't do it anymore. Maybe some stuff's going on. I mean... There's a recession on. That's what a, a millionaire property owner down the Jersey Shore told me when we asked if we could have free shrimp at work the other day. <laughs> yeah. There's a recession. So, but you guys know the deal. It's called American Loser. We're shining a light on the weird stories from American history that you probably should have heard of, but you might not have. So we're here to do that for you. We're putting the spotlight firmly on second place. I'm KP Burke. With me always is my Delph of a dad. Here he is. <laughs> <laughs> And behind the ones and twos, uh, Kahuna had to be put down, guys. We're very sorry about it. He had, yeah. uh, he had uh, scavies. So <laughs> we, we brought him to a shelter, and uh, they said there was nothing they could do. <laughs> Got the heebie-jeebies, terminal case. <laughs> uh, but no, Kahuna will be back eventually. But our great, our great pal, actually, uh, the very talented actor and filmmaker, C.J. Cullen, is with us behind the ones uh, and twos. Hello. I always think Kahuna is like, uh, if you watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off, he's like Cameron the Friend. He always feels better when he's sick. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man! Now I'm just going to picture him in a car the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this one's going to be good. And so, uh, as you guys know, we did give him the proper intro here. CJ is a very accomplished actor and filmmaker. A great guy, great friend of ours uh, here on the show too. Um, this is an old Hollywood story here today. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to dig it, my friend. Well, old Hollywood, yeah. almost founding Hollywood, pre Hollywood. Yeah, early, oh. early Hollywood. And it's of course it has to be that uh, a over the top, um, overly sensationalized story about uh, uh, drugs, sex, and uh, rapes is going to yeah. be the, sex, the... drugs, and rock and roll. But rock and roll hasn't really been invented yet. But it's uh... but your kids are going to love it. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with jazz then. <laughs> sex, drugs, and jazz. Well, uh, I'll tell you this: when you are credited with helping to define slapstick comedy. Um, yeah, my. How hard do I laugh every time I watch Leslie Nielsen do anything? Yeah, right. I mean, it, it's 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 an art form when uh, you're good at a, a it. A genre. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> when you have a star with your name on it on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and uh, are one of, for the times, the highest paid movie stars in the world, you'd be very hard pressed to be considered a loser. But all it takes is one good, good goddamn rumor and a little bit of bad press coverage. Aided, of course, by the greatest yellow journalist of all time, Loserception. More on that here in a second. And uh, boom, that brings us to Fatty Arbuckle, this week's American Loser. You know anything about Fatty Arbuckle off the top of your head, CJ? Not off the top of my head, but I'm interested. You never heard of him? It's a pretty iconic name. Yeah? From early comedy, no? Yeah. Okay. I'm like in Buster Keaton, I was thinking, or Chaplin, or... (laughs) Uh, Compatriots. 
compatriots. He's, they're like the big three, Fatty Arbuckle. Um, and the two that you had just mentioned, uh, they're, they're like the, uh, the big three of, uh, early comedy, silent film comedy. They're, uh, they're all big stars here. They're all going to be kind of, uh, contemporaries with one another. Of course, again, there's going to be a loser reception. Some people have already put it together here too. But another reason you don't know much about Fatty Arbuckle is because, um, I guess we'd call it censorship, right? Yeah, squashed, squelched, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you don't get to have a legacy because we decided we didn't like you kind of a thing. Um, it's a, a sad fall from grace, and you know, you guys determine where you feel about the story, too. Obviously, there's going to be some connection to the current Johnny Depp-Amber Heard drama. Uh, that is not intentional. It just happens to be something that we're able to draw from here, where it's um, the public's opinion of Hollywood uh, decides uh, who's guilty or uh, innocent in any particular case. And obviously we have a fascination because these are the people with money that can live a lavish lifestyle. So there's some uh, idolizing that goes on. There's some also uh, some hate because these are the people with uh, you know everything in the world within their grasp and they're acting this way. And uh, my God, the, you know, the humanity, if you will. <laughs> but Now, uh, our pal Fatty Arbuckle, who, by the way, uh, that's a tough one when he doesn't like being called Fatty, and that becomes how he's known for the rest of his entire life. that's a nickname that he wasn't really too enamored with. Yeah, he found some ways to try to cope with it, but he certainly didn't like it, and he asked people... He used to say this. This is so um, interesting for the time. This guy's born in 1887, and he would still have... um, He would say to people sometimes that they called him Fatty in, like, personal dealings. He goes, you know, I'm a human being, right? You know, that, that's... Right. That's hurtful. You, oh, yeah. You talk about uh, Jordan Peterson and fat shaming and all that. Other stuff. This guy was ahead of the turn, you know, uh, hit the time, if you will, by asking for different terms to uh, refer to him as. But again, pretty progressive for a boy born in 1887 in Kansas, uh, born Roscoe Arbuckle. Well, yeah, Roscoe Conklin. Conkling. Conklin. Conkling Arbuckle. Oh, man. Yeah, good luck with your, uh, you know, finding the name with your... Uh, I'm sorry, the glass with your name on it at Disney World. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a Roscoe Conkling? That's a, yeah. But he will come into the world controversially. He's born 13, oh, at the time of his birth, rather, I should say this. He is born over 13 pounds. That's a big boy. Mm-hmm. That's a big boy. You've got to hope that was a C-section. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there was, uh, was. And his, his mom was uh, kind of slender. And, uh, you know, she uh, had poor health issues. Uh, since the birth of uh, our our boy Roscoe. Well, if you passed a 13-pound kidney stone, Dad, I think... Yeah, you know, well, there you, you go. Know. There you go. <laughs> push, push. <laughs> it's good that you pointed out, too, that both... Um, now, it's not just the mother. The mother and the father are both very slender people, born slender. And uh, now this giant fat baby comes out, if you will, 13 pounds, over 13 pounds. And uh, the father is starting to think that it's an illegitimate kid. He's just sitting there. He's probably sitting there like, how... Is our mailman tubby? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? It's a, I'm starting to think here. Well, that's where the, the dad actually uh, came up with the name because, uh, well, I'll, I'll let you go ahead with the story. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, like many comics, uh, uh, he's got some weird childhood stuff he's going to have to overcome, uh, and he's going to use comedy to cope with it. Like you said, Dad, uh, he feels to blame for his mother's poor health, something that his father kind of, uh, you know, eggs on a little bit. You know, Absolutely. Her poor health is on, it's your fault, and... His father was never kind to him. Uh, in fact, his father actually never really accepted him as his blood child and sarcastically named him Roscoe 
after a politician that his father despised. Yeah, well, the father despised a Roscoe Conkling, who was a, a, a politician, a New York, I believe he was a New York state senator kind of a thing, who was known to be a, a womanizer. Uh, and so, you know, who else, who could it possibly be? Who could be possibly be the father of, of this kid? Because it can't be me. You know, he wasn't accepting that part of it. No way. I, I have that uh, thing in my head of uh, Jackie Gleason and uh, Smokey and the Bandit. There's no, when I get home, I'm going to punch your mama right in the mouth. <laughs> you know? Robert Kelly yelled at me and told me that uh, he's not going to use me anymore on the road if I don't finally see uh, Smokey and the Bandit? Yeah, I've never seen You've it. You've never seen it? Oh, no. wow. Oh, come on. <laughs> he was pretty upset with me. That's so, classic. It is. A, we're going to get that right eventually, though. <laughs> but again, names his uh, son after somebody that he hates. That's kind of comedy in and of itself over there. Uh, Roscoe's, he's going to have to find the comedy in life because it seems like uh, life is never actually going to pull any punches on him. But the Arbuckles would move from Kansas to California when young Roscoe was just an infant. Yeah, I think he's only about two years old at, at the yeah, time. Yeah, even less, I think. Move, yeah. yeah. Uh, his mother will sadly pass away before he reaches the age of 12, and his father, who, again, did not really care for him, refuses to now support his 12-year-old son. You're 12 years old. Better get your shit together, kid. You're yeah. on your own. For the record, I'm 34. I still hit this guy up once a week asking for help with stuff. <laughs> hey, man, uh, so I'm looking at that. There's this thing on my car. Um <laughs> But, again, he refuses to support his 12-year-old son. So in order to make ends meet, Roscoe is going to work odd jobs in a hotel. And he's like, you picture him as a little bit of a pudgy kid here. You know what I mean? I imagine that. Happy-go-lucky kind of a kid. Um, again, comes from some pretty rough circumstances. Losing your mom's never going to be easy. Imagine doing it at age 12 and then having your father. He's really got almost like a Disney thing. It's a, a, a wicked stepfather. Yeah, but Cinderella it's his kind of quiet. <laughs> Cinderfella kind of quality. Cinderfella. <laughs> Disney yeah. never did that. They always like killed off like the wrong person, like the mother. Oh yeah. The, oh, it it really is that. upsetting that every Disney movie really? they're just like, hey, here's a great family film, and one of your parents is about to die, <laughs> or and one is evil. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The evil one's gonna live. <laughs> uh, they, ne- they never quite get it right. Yeah. Kuna's uh, ears just perked up somewhere. He goes, they're talking about Disney without me. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, Anyway, unfortunately, it is a sad thing to picture a, uh, a portly kid who's, you know, 12 years old. But he, he has a habit of, as he's doing these odd jobs around the, the hotel that he's working in, he sings while he works. You can't beat this kid's spirit. He's Whistle good. while he works. Oh, yeah. yeah. He he, whistles he's while taking he it to the next level. He's singing. He's not just whistling. He's singing. <laughs> he's straight up singing, man. And uh, apparently after um, uh, a local singer actually hears him while uh, he's singing around the hotel and says, hey, you should come down to this um, talent show that we have. And he kind of didn't mention to him that it's like an Apollo-style um, show. You know? Yeah, it's an America Got Talent kind of a thing. Yeah, and there's a, it's a Open mic night. Yeah. <laughs> Come on down to this lovely showcase. You can showcase your talents. And then they forgot to mention, like, oh, and by the way, if you stink, the audience boos the crap out of you. And they take up that shepherd's hook, right? And, yeah. And they pull you off the stage. Yeah, that was literally one of the earliest uh, times when you, somebody gets the hook kind of a thing. In other words, they're going to be pulled off the stage. They're actually doing just that. Mm-hmm. that if the audience starts to boo you, uh, you're going to get the hook. There was going to be somebody in the wings of the of the stage and with this long shepherd's crook kind of a thing, grab you around the neck and literally drag you off the stage. I think it was Dave Chappelle had a bit about that early on when he was doing like a Night at the Apollo kind of a thing. And um the mascot or whatever for the, the show that would come out with the shepherd's hook and pull him out. He goes, he goes, I'm not saying my first joke bombed, 
but he started stretching. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he goes out to this uh, Apollo-type talent show, and, uh, they, and they're going to let you know when you suck over there, which can be very, very helpful because it's a sin to encourage a mediocre talent. Um, Roscoe would attempt to sing and dance and even joke around a little bit, but the crowd wasn't quite feeling him. But then upon seeing the hook being brought out for him, Roscoe will then pull a pretty impressive move here. They always said um, Chris Farley was the funniest part of him was how athletic he actually was to be a big guy like that. Yeah. But he was a football player his whole life leading up to SNL. And obviously his most famous sketch, I would say, is him and Swayze doing the Chippendales And that was thing. his first big one. That was the, it. The, the that first was the big, big one, right? One. Made his name forever. I mean, he was gold after that. But everybody was always laughing at just how athletic this big, big guy was. And uh, I think there's a little bit of a connection here because our pal Roscoe Arbuckle um, upon seeing the hook coming out for him, somersaults into the choir. Into the orchestra pit. The orchestra Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not the choir. That's you a- want a piece of my heart! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he, he does a, a somersault uh, right into the orchestra pit, and, uh, you know, the crowd just freaking goes nuts over it. <laughs> they lost their minds, it, just like they did for Farley. It was a moment, you know, in time kind of a thing. So uh, Arbuckle will now take vaudeville by storm, and as the world transitions from radio to podcasting, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Years later. Vaudeville to cinema. Cinema now, right? The movies, the talkies, are, they're not coming just yet. The talkies aren't here. The talkies aren't, talkies here. aren't here yet. Yeah, silent films, right? Yep. Silent yeah, films you're in silent movies. You're, you're in an era where you we don't even have radio yet. Really, radio hasn't hit the big time. And radio doesn't come into play until like the 1930s. And we're, yeah, later, right? Yeah. We're in the, uh, you know, 1910. We're in the, in the teens, if you will. Yeah, to go find, a, a, you know, save up a little bit of cash and go down to watch something on the old Nickelodeon. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Yep. That's the way to do it, man. Did um, you ever look at one of those? Did you ever put a nickel in and look at a Nickelodeon? I want to say uh, like a cheap imitation of one kind of thing. Like to, to, it was like a teaching tool. But um, like Coney Island, I think, has one. Oh, they do? Yeah, you put one in and you turn the thing and you watch the, the, the woman dancing. There you go. The hoochie coochie uh, girls. Yeah, it's in Coney Island, too, so she doesn't wear a shirt. <laughs> but, um, but Arbuckle's taking vaudeville by storm over here, and uh, he will begin working as a great comedic actor uh, in these uh, – uh, the, the, again, not the talkies yet. We're being clear. This is the silent film era. Um, and he'll actually also even marry a fellow thespian named uh, Minta Durfee. So – Minta Durfee, who, by the way, if you look her up, she's actually, she's quite good looking. So the idea of a funny fat guy with a wife that's way too hot for him was not started by Kevin James on King of Queens, folks. It's definitely, <laughs> it has its roots in old Hollywood here. Yeah, yeah, it's it. Minta Durfee, yeah, D-I-E-R, yeah, she's a pretty hot man. Especially when you look at what Fatty Arbuckle. For back then, yeah, look at that. Yeah, she goes, uh, yeah, I, I married Fatty Arbuckle. That's a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but... With his uh, natural comedic charisma and a very graceful but unexpected athleticism, kind of like Farley, like we were saying here, Roscoe uh, Arbuckle, Fatty Arbuckle, is very much the physical comedian we think of today when we're referencing people like Belushi, Farley, uh, and even more. Roscoe could dance like anybody. He could perform, excuse me, he could perform acrobatics. He took a nice pie in the face quite a bit. That was his favorite gag, Dad. Yeah, well, actually, he was the uh, the founding uh, the founding loser, if you will, of the pie in the face. That was uh, classic comedy back then because that was something that you could portray on film without having a whole lot of uh, mm-hmm. 
dialogue going with it. But, you know, to, to me, from my generation, you'd race home from middle school to watch Soupy Sales take a pie in the face <laughs> and, and uh, you know, find out what Soupy Sales was going to say that day to get him thrown off the air by the censors. But, uh, yeah, the, the pie in the face, that uh, that's a, a mainstay of uh, early comedy. Well, uh, our goal was to... Um Throw a pie in Kahuna's face during this episode. Of right, course, he didn't want just to, to bring in a, just to bring the reality of the thing. Right, a little, see what we mean, Kahuna? What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Three Stooges. They, I mean, they're they're famous. That was like the 1930s, but you know, they're going back to uh, Arbuckle's uh, roots here with the, by taking the pie in the it, face. It's a classic. You don't yeah. mess with a classic. You know. Um, now, also, he does take a nice pie in the face, but despite the physical comedy he likes to do, the guy can also sing his ass off. Yeah, quite a good singer. Um, not bad for a guy nicknamed Fatty. You know what I mean? Um, so good, in fact, is he at singing that Enrico Caruso. A Enrico Caruso. Oh, look I at mean, him! Famous he, Italian. He does. <laughs> you gotta. He does one episode. <laughs> all right, on Roy DeMeo with Max Antonucci, and all of a sudden the guy's you know from the boot himself. But hey, Enrico <laughs> Caruso. But uh, very famous uh, tenor opera singer. And uh, he tells him, he goes, listen, you need to train and focus on singing for just a year. He goes, with some time and some training, you could be the second greatest singer in the world. Who, of course, is the first singer, Dad? Enrico Caruso. (laughs) (laughs) So, again, talented guy can do a little bit of everything, but you kind of have to do everything to be out in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, um, you look at people who can act, sing, dance, they can do a little bit of everything. Those are the people that are going to make it. And it's funny because you almost always find out, like, oh, Johnny Depp was a musician, and then he just happened to get into acting. Or uh, other people's weird passion projects, like what Russell Crowe's band or something, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And you got me, I can write. That's about it. <laughs> so, but um, Roscoe is making hit after hit after hit for early Hollywood to the point where they offered him, adjusted for inflation, okay, in 2022 money over here, a $54 million contract. Fifty-four yeah. million dollars back then. No, 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 no. no, no. no. That's back for, then uh, it was it was money. it was three million. They, he was given a uh, a three-year contract, one million per year. Uh, so adjusted for inflation, adjusted for today's days, that's that's more like a fifty-four million dollar contract. Not wow. too bad for a yeah, you know, for a comedian and that's comedians like Tom aren't. Money. It's like Tom Cruise money. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and then you know, for a comedian too. I mean, uh, comedians are not noted for making the the big bucks that some of the uh, you know the heartthrobs. Uh, you hear that, folks? It's a little little dig at me over here. Well, <laughs> yeah. well you know, when you're uh, pulling down one million a year, then uh, we'll we'll talk. Well, I mean, we've got to be. I, I know some comics out there that would drown their own mother for uh, three hundred thousand. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's time. But again, not bad for a guy named Fatty Arbuckle, okay? Uh, Fatty was a stage name that Roscoe deemed inevitable. Okay, that's his own word for it, inevitable. Uh, it was a high school nickname that he didn't really care for, but it made for a hell of a title card. That's going to grab your attention. Folks, come see Fatty Arbuckle. You know what I mean? It's a good name. Rolls off the tongue pleasantly, you know what I mean? Roscoe does too, but Fatty has something yeah. to it. Especially when you show the guy he's got the big jowls. He's got um, – you saw a picture of him. Uh, yeah. CJ. He kind of looks like um, – uh, uh, if is that him too? That's him holding the dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh man, I'd kill for yeah. That and that was one of his characters, the hayseed, the uh, the you know the fat dumb kid. 
um, kind of like Flounder in uh, Animal House, oh, right? Yeah. You fucked up. You trusted <laughs> us. You trusted us. Yeah. That but he does a great job. <laughs> no way to go through life, right? <laughs> the um, yeah, it kind of has a. It's a little bit of a baby face too, which adds to everything. And then he's got, of course, the classic comb over haircut. And then um, again, big. Jo- he kind of has a Babe Ruth body. So that's yeah. that's crazy part. He's a fat comedic actor, or the greatest. Uh, you know, or like a grown-up spanky. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's there it. There you go. That's Something it. there. Yep. For sure. Real close. And for him to be playing against these uh, hot, uh, diminutive uh, female mm-hmm. actors, uh, it just it, it played well. I mean, it, it just drew laughs by how can this fat guy have this good-looking uh, co-star, if you will. It's like an Adam Sandler movie. It pre- I, that's really a thing. That's a... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And that's a creepy photo of him right there. That's a nice guy right there, but he's got a Cheshire cat face. Um, he's doing a little bit of a John Candy type gimmick, uh, especially too, where he, he plays. There's some uh, uh, John Belushi. There's some Sam Kinison, some Farley. All all these people kind of pull from him a little bit because he he literally, I would say, um, is the mold, if you will, for a physical comedy, especially how it can be transferred to the masses. I'm sure every traveling vaudeville show. Um, or anything else like that would have a, a a big, you know, it's like SNL. They always have a funny fat guy. Yeah, it's a uh, right now they don't have a funny fat guy. I don't think that's why it's not funny. Yeah, well, <laughs> their funny fat guy was a girl on this couple, <laughs> and it's not as fun because you can't rip on him as much. Yeah, but um, anyway, it's a strange thing though. He does play this character you were saying, Dad, um, of this uh, the dumb hayseed, if you will, where uh, it, it's. It never works in comedy to try to be the smartest person in the room. Nobody likes that person. You know what I mean? So he's playing this young, uh, affable, uh, comedic-looking type guy who's also a little bit dopey. So he's fun to laugh at. He's a little bit of a clown. Clown without makeup, I'd call him. So. Yeah, but he's definitely making a name for himself within uh, Hollywood movie circles, too. I mean, we, we talked about Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin. They were all camaraderies, uh, you know, comrades together and— the whole um, Keystone Cops, it's right in this era. Some, some of our listeners might know of the Keystone Cops, which was a, you know, a farcical police force that was always getting it wrong. But he was, he was part of, of that as well, um, or at least that um, movie lot, that movie uh, producers. And it looks like uh, CJ actually brought up a picture over here of him with uh, Buster Keaton in yeah. one of the, uh, the movies. Yeah. Says, and his nephew, Arbuckle's nephew. Is on the is in there too. <laughs> yep, Al St. John was Saint his John. Uh, was his nephew. Ooh, Absolutely, an- another good screen name. <laughs> that's nineteen. That that movie is uh, nineteen eighteen. So I mean, he, he's yeah. he's definitely a big draw. If, if a movie um, lot is willing to pay you one million dollars a year back then money. Uh, <laughs> you're doing something right. People, he's a star. There's no doubt about it. People are going to the movies, to the silent movies, to see um, Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle. What do you say, young man? You want to come out and see the Fatty Arbuckle movie? <laughs> yeah. Are they calling them movies then? That's like Chris Farley and David Spade together in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good. Again, that pairing goes all the way back too, man. There's always been that stuff going on. Yeah. Um, but again, uh, it's unfortunate, too, because he is a big, big guy over here, um, and he's got some health problems that come with it. Uh, there's health problems that lead to Arbuckle almost having to lose one of his entire legs. Mm-hmm. So between this, 
his hectic schedule, and then suffering legit second-degree burns from an onset accident. Yeah, and I found some uh, some interesting little tidbits about that onset accident, actually uh, leading up to, we'll call it the incident. Uh-huh. <laughs> that uh, that um, yeah, you know, he's he, not really a loser yet, folks. You'll figure out why. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's making he's making big bucks, uh, and he's the star in the next three years. He's the star in. Uh, He's to be a star in 18 different silent movies. So, I mean, they're, they're cranking him out. They're wow. cranking him out. One right after the other. Um, and currently, uh, at this point in time, um, his latest film is going nuts. People are, are lining up to go see it in the, in the theaters, a movie by the title of Crazy to Marry. Um, but, you know, Fatty's got some bucks rolling in, and he's not too, uh, too shy about spending it. Um, and one of the things we want to remember, we're now mm, like 1919, uh, that, that era, the 1920s, and um, prohibition is going on. So booze is illegal. Oh, so you couldn't get alcohol anywhere, Dad? No, is that what you're no, that, that's illegal. You, that's, you can't buy, you can't go to the, down to the corner store and buy liquor. Oh man! So there but was maybe no you alcohol can't... in America anymore. Because <laughs> well, the government got not involved? saying that there was no alcohol in a, <laughs> in America, minute. but yeah, if there, there were ways of having it. But as I'm saying, um, Roscoe is definitely making bucks, and he's not too shy about spending it. And one of the big uh, cars, and one of the the plush luxury cars at the time, is this Pierce Arrow. So um, now a Pierce Arrow automobile. He, in 1919 monies, he's paying $8,000 for this car. That's a lot of bucks. Yeah. And then on top of that, he puts another 25000 to customize his $8,000 Pierce Arrow, which is top-of-the-line stuff. Um, adjusted for today money, that's like spending $400,000 on an automobile. One of the little customizations that they had in this Pierce Arrow was a hidden secret bar <laughs> within the car <laughs> so roscoe's driving in style um but right prior to the incident he has this thing serviced and when he's in this service uh, area if you will to have his pierce arrow fixed he sits down on uh acid soaked rags in the garage and the acid soaked rags burn through his clothing and burns his ass, literally. Oh, <laughs> acid burns, acid burns his ass. So and this this happens in Los Angeles, and now they're going on this road trip. This movie, this his latest movie is out. People are going crazy for it, and they're in Los Angeles, and he's doing this hectic schedule. He's got you know seventeen different movies that are lined up, queued up for him to be uh, filming in the next couple of years. Uh, you know, the whole, whole um, hubbub of uh, Hollywood is really getting to them, and they decide, you know what we need? We need to take some time off, and let's go on a road trip. Let's take your Pierce Arrow and drive up from Los Angeles to San Francisco, and we're going we're gonna to have some partying going on <laughs> in San Francisco. These are big shots in Hollywood, and they're, they, they're people that can make things happen. Uh, and, and Fatty uh, jump into his Pierce Arrow, and... They drive up to San Francisco 
uh, I believe it was the uh, St. Francis Hotel in San Francisco where they're going to sure was have a, have a Labor Day party. I mean, you know, what, <laughs> what better way to celebrate Labor Day weekend, right? It's local summer, baby. <laughs> yeah. September 5th, 1921, Roscoe and his two friends will arrive at a hotel party uh, that will change their lives. People say changing lives with this weird optimism, by the way. It's not always a good thing. In fact, in this particular case, it pretty much ruins his life. So well, That's life-changing. Indeed, indeed. So for uh, always keep an upbeat, positive attitude, Dad, unless uh, it absolutely ruins your career. Mm-hmm. Not always the case here. Um, but with plenty of liquor, possibly narcotics, including the morphine that Arbuckle had been given for his ailments, and plenty of hot young ladies including a few desperate actresses looking for parts. Yeah, because that, that's been around since the dawn of Hollywood, too. Yeah, oh, no, no. There was no casting couch. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, and, uh, and to be fair, too, let me be clear. There's a lot of men that are disgusting pigs that are absolutely predatory towards women who are also pigs and are willing to sleep to move up the ladder. So when <laughs> pigs find pigs, I'm okay with it. You know what I mean? Let's make some bacon. Uh... All righty. But, uh, oh, man, it's... Um, Anyway, we're going to make it all work here. Uh, Ming Chen just texted me to say that uh, um, he loves us all. So thank you, Ming. We appreciate you. (laughs) Good old Ming. Good to hear from Ming. Oh, yeah. Um, But again, uh, uh, there's booze, there's drugs, there's hot young ladies, there's three different hotel rooms. Fanny and his boys, they're going to have a good time, Dad, at the St. Francis Hotel in San Francisco until a young actress named Virginia Rapay is found seriously ill in Fatty's room Room 1219. Yeah, these guys had uh, it all set up that there was like three adjoining uh, rooms at the hotel. Um, and the third room was going to be the party room. So that's where mm-hmm. everything is uh, going down. Throwing hotel parties. Yep. Yep. It's happening to go. Yeah. So <laughs> Sounds familiar. That didn't, that didn't happen recently. That, that, that got a kickstart a long time ago. This story could have happened... 90 minutes before we started recording. <laughs> that's right. Okay, that, that's how current Before we were riding over here. Yeah. yeah. Let me know if you guys pick up on some uh, similar motifs here yeah. to current Hollywood. I've seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Virginia Rapay is found uh, seriously ill in Fatty's room. By the way, very good-looking girl, too. Oh, um, yeah. She was she was definitely a, a hottie for sure. I oh, mean, yeah. she's a model. She's an actress. Um, she had worked with... Uh, Roscoe uh, Arbuckle in previous bit parts um, as an actress in some of his silent movies. So, so they knew one another, but uh, she was also, a, as I say, a model, a well-known model, had her own uh, um, designer dress uh, company, if you will. Does that sound familiar by today's standards <laughs> or anything? That, you know, people putting out their own cosmetics or fashion or whatever the case might be. She's got like a um, a dirty Anne Hathaway kind of look to her. It's a pretty good one here. And of course, Fatty Arbuckle looks like uh, me when I shave my beard. So, um, <laughs> you know, we're all victims. But uh, um, anyway, so she's found seriously ill in Fatty's hotel room, room 1219 again, okay? And the hotel doctor is called in because that, that's how healthcare worked back in the day. The hotel had a doctor. That's when it all went to shit when the doctor stopped coming to you and you had to go to the doctor. There's eight doctors all joined together for one big thing here. Mm-hmm. But uh, Virginia Rapay, uh, she's seriously ill. They can't quite figure out what's going on with her. The hotel doctor goes, ah, this bitch is just drunk. She does this all the time. So, uh, And she apparently had a little bit of a reputation for that, too. So uh, interestingly enough, the do- hotel doctor says this chick's just drunk, and he gives her morphine to calm her. She would be hospitalized two days later where she would die of a ruptured bladder. 
Her friends would tell the hospital staff that her friend had been raped by Fatty Arbuckle and that his morbid obesity must have been what caused the fateful rupture. So, yeah. Raped to uh, to death, essentially. It, in which there's, again, it, it's a brutal thing to talk about here, but that's the accusations being leveled at Fatty Arbuckle for a girl that wound up dead a few days after his uh, party over in San Francisco. So... Um, yeah, she was found ill in, in his room. Uh, he's in his pajamas. Now, there's speculation, why is he in his pajamas? Well, it could be that, you know, when your ass was just burnt off by uh, <laughs> by acid, maybe you're, you are looking for something a little baggy to also, be... Uh, let's be honest, fat guys, we like leisure wear. Okay? <laughs> We're big on that. Go with the sweats nowadays. Yes. <laughs> sweats are in. <laughs> So again, the hotel doctor gives her morphine to calm her. She winds up dead a couple of days later over here. Uh, Virginia had a little bit of a, a, a reputation, okay? Um, even though her friends are telling people at the hospital staff that uh, she was raped to death and uh, Fatty's such a big fat guy and Virginia was this slim, slender woman. So when he was on top of her forcing his will on her, uh, that must have been what caused the rupture and she's dead because of him. And again, unfortunately, Repay had a little bit of a reputation. Before you can say that that's uh, victimizing or victim shaming or what was she wearing, which, again, it's complicated stuff. They're trying to get better with these things, but they're also making the same mistakes from, you know, the old times here, too. Um, We don't mean that. We don't mean to say what was she wearing. We mean that she had a rep for boozing quite often, which for a woman back in the day here, again, when you're talking about a time frame where you really couldn't drink the water so much either. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, and it is prohibition. And she had a reputation of being a party girl that she liked to drink and she liked to take her clothes off. And uh, uh-huh. um, you know, she was just that that type kind of a thing. She was uh, how much of a booze bag, you ask, Dad, <laughs> to the point of chronic UTIs. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. That's not good. Uh, more instances, too, by the way, where Repay, as you were saying, Dad, would also rip and tear her own clothing off due to physical pain she was suffering from, like, the hangovers and probably the alcohol withdrawal and other internal things going on that maybe they just didn't have a good read on medically back then. Plus, if she's got some eternal internal uh, difficulties, uh, medical issues, and now mm-hmm. you're drinking alcohol, that's only going to uh, make matters worse. Oh, I thought you were about to say exasperate. I was so excited. Oh, it's be a- I, can, I can say exasperate. All right. And? Perspirate. Uh, no? No? He was close, folks. Dumont's back. Dumont's back, folks. So, um, but regardless here, a pretty, very young, okay, young, young enough, I should say, um, aspiring actress is now dead from a Hollywood party, and a major motion picture star is at least somewhat to blame. Hmm. It, they can't all be the trial of the century, CJ. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They can't all. But yeah. this one is going it, to – it's a contender. We don't have, <laughs> we don't have enough uh, – centuries for the trial of the century but <laughs> i think we've covered multiple trials of the century too yeah, which is absolutely. isn't yeah. this why the show ray donovan came about that's, <laughs> that's how it started <laughs> 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 uh, we got a dead actress in 1219 can you make it go away all right who's to re- who's responsible it's fatty arba tell, tell my love his work <laughs> Oh, my God. So uh, the doctors found uh, (laughs) – that was such a great reference, and now it's making me reach for one, too, from our our own view of universe. It's uh, Jay and Silent Bob strike back. Uh, We got a 1219 on the lot. Oh, that's a disappearing hooker uh, from Ben Affleck's trailer. Ben Affleck's trailer. (laughs) 
No, I wasn't with a hooker today. <laughs> uh, but the doctors had found this is what's what's interesting. This is where the the he said she said game comes into here. And you guys make your own judgments on how you feel things went down. Um, the doctors found no signs of rape at the hospital here, but the rumors began to swirl that Arbuckle's weight had killed her while he raped her. Uh, and he apparently it got so salacious the rumors here they're starting to get drummed up and you'll see why in a minute the master of the spin is coming into a play here lose reception mm-hmm. um, they're saying that he had raped her with ice cubes and even one of the more audacious rumors with it that he had used a coca-cola bottle to simulate sex with the model actress that he was penetrating her with a coca-cola bottle talk about product placement yeah. <laughs> They sold a lot of Coca-Cola then. That's right. Oh, Pepsi Lord. sitting there like, we, what, what can we do? What can we We got to come Cola up with something. Wars. Yep. Uh, so, no sign of a rape by the, uh, uh, the the doctor couldn't find anything here. A little bit of a, a crazy chick with a drinking problem and a big Hollywood party. The rumors are growing by the day thanks to extortion efforts by Rapay's actress friends and even her own manager. Okay. So Fatty Arbuckle is now in big, big trouble. Yeah. And, you know, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. I was going to you off. No, no, you're good, sir. The uh, the newspapers, they're not going to let uh, this one go away, especially not the uh, – I don't want to get into it here. So before I introduce the loserception, Dad, hit me. No, I was just um, – this. there was a, this mysterious woman that supposedly came to the party with uh, Miss Repe, um, one Maud Delmont. Who Maud Delmont here. <laughs> yeah. She not, just sounds oh, like Maud? a villain. <laughs> she really does. Uh, Golden Girls, right? Um, <laughs> but no, um, Maud Delmont, she is the one that first makes the accusation that um, Roscoe uh, Arbuckle raped her. And um, she was the one that was banging on, on the door, if you will, in the hotel room t- to try to, quote unquote, rescue her, her girlfriend. They only met a short time before, only days before, but now all of a sudden she's her, her long-lost friend. But this more Delmont. You can always tell who's full of shit because they always make themselves the hero in their story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, but this more Delmont, she was a bit of a uh, – she was trash herself because she was known for um, being a madam, being for blackmailing. Uh, she was always going after somebody with some salacious uh, – uh, testimony, if you will, about this or that, trying to um, squeeze some bucks out of somebody to either oh, yeah. hush money or, or just out and out, um, you know, blackmail. She knew how to work Hollywood, I'll say that much. I don't think Hollywood invented it. I think they just gave a location for all these different various forms of scum to all congregate. <laughs> well, let's go where the money is, right? And that's and right now, Hollywood is making big bucks. I mean, if you're willing to pay somebody a million dollars a year, that's that's big bucks for the times. For Absolutely. 1921 money, so that, that's, that, you're doing all right. Well, the newspapers are going to run wild with this because you don't have to be accurate, okay? That's the whole thing, and there's still some truth to it today. You don't have to be accurate. You have to be first. Yeah. The papers are going to run wild with this one. Certain kind of papers, too, Dad. Yeah. Uh, certain kinds of uh, journalism, perhaps yellow journalism. Loserception, folks. Welcome back. William Randolph Hearst. Okay. <laughs> one more time. William Randolph rears his ugly head. He really, there's not a story in his lifetime, there's not anything that can um, happen that doesn't at least somewhat encroach like upon his territory. His, his thumbprint is all over everything here. He is the dominant. If you don't know, please check out that back catalog episode. And then uh, feel free to check out the one about his uh, 
uh, old Patty Hearst too. She's a little bit of a character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was one. There oh, was man. one. But uh, so the dominant media magnate of the day is William Randolph Hearst, and he covers the story and decides he's going to run any rumor overheard about the Fatty Arbuckle trial. Yeah, and he's the guy that you know. If you don't like the story, just just we'll make up the story. If, if it if it reads well, uh, people are going to want to buy the paper. And again, you say he's the media magnet, but what media magnet. is there? Magnet. Yeah. What media is there? There's no television. There's no you know internet. There's no there's not even radio at this point. Yeah. So um, what do you got? You got telegraph. <laughs> right. um, you can send a, send a telegram. It's Twitter, short form. It's Twitter uh, of the day. Yeah, or um, you know, you you can read about it in in the newspapers. And there's a, a whole shit ton of newspapers. I mean, when newspapers are coming out a couple of times a day, the same paper has got the early, late afternoon and, and evening edition type of thing. So brutal. Um, yeah, brutal, and they're all in competition with one another. So you know, if it uh, if it bleeds, it leads kind ah, of a thing. There you go. So can you imagine waiting for the evening newspaper to come? <laughs> Just <laughs> your like, can we yeah. come read read what's going? Read on? all about it. <laughs> well, I was taken aback recently. We were uh, on Father's Day. We rewatched. Uh, the Patriot and uh, just the level of excitement the kids have. I'm like, the, the mail's here. Yeah, so I get delivered earlier in the day and it just everybody's sitting around waiting the whole day like, oh, when's dad going to let us open up the mail? <laughs> I hope I'm old enough one day to stay awake long enough for dad to open the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Times are different. Yep. But uh, now he's going to run with this. Hearst is t- he, Again, this is what kills me here is that leading up to this incident, Fatty Arbuckle is a beloved American icon. Um, Imagine, uh, I know, Dad, for you, Belushi was definitely like uh, the, the cool, funny guy. Yeah. You know, he could get chicks and stuff like that. Um, Farley, big deal for, uh, you know, people like me or anything like that. Uh, I kind of grew up with the John Candy. Oh, yeah. How do you John not? Candy, yeah. And then before that, you got Jackie Gleason and you've got, um, uh, it was a, you know, the, the, the heavy, yeah. the heavyweight comics were usually heavyweights. I mean, let's, uh, let's be honest about it, right? But these are all beloved American icons, too, because you make people laugh. That's how you capture their hearts. Right. Okay. It's, uh, even if it's for 20, 30 minutes or until a pill kicks in. Um, but uh, <laughs> Until you get lit. Call back. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so uh, this is a beloved guy here that everybody loves, and now they're just going to run wild with these rumors, and they're going to absolutely destroy his legacy. And, by the way, people can't tell. I mean, it, 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 you can't print it if it's not true, right? No, there's no there's no safeguards. It must yeah. be true. I saw it on the internet. Yeah. Well, not William so much. Randolph Hearst. Yeah. Oh my God. It's I mean, like it, a, William Randolph Hearst from previous episodes. He was the guy that was probably the biggest responsibility for the Spanish American War. That you know, you, uh, the Spanish soldiers are, are raping Cuban women and all this kind of atrocities that are going on. Well, you know, we're, we we got to go in there and defend the the pork. Cubans. Are you telling me that the guy who said you provide the pictures and I'll provide the war yeah. might not have had journalistic integrity? <laughs> yeah, as taught Could in one hundred and one classes. I don't think for he ethics. had uh, little wag the dog going on. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, um, again, he runs with this right away here, and uh, all the Hearst publications are going to portray Arbuckle as a tubby villain who uses his name, his power, and his size to rape the petite woman. Okay, in this particular case, and you said that earlier. You asked me about pronunciation. Make sure we had it right. The victim's name here is Virginia Repay, 
which you said could easily be turned into a journalistic play of, yeah. of what? Virgin rape. Yep, Fatty Arbuckle uh, rapes uh, Virginia Repay, you know, that kind of thing. It, it's Unfortunately, Hearst is very, very good at what he does, um, and it winds up uh, ruining, like we said, uh, Arbuckle's p- – in the court of public opinion early on – His image is if shot. You could, oh, if you could have given him the death penalty, which people were calling for, too, right. by the way um, – Again, he's running with this stuff. By the way, that rumor of Arbuckle's ice cube penetration later on is revealed uh, by witnesses to have actually have been Arbuckle putting ice on the stomach pains of Repay to try to like you know ease her ease you know, her pain, her illness, if you will, right. at the hotel party. So that's what Hearst can do. Hearst can sit there and he's like, "All right, uh, uh, tell me what happened." Well, Fatty Arbuckle, she wasn't feeling good. Her stomach was hurting, and then uh, uh, Fatty was putting uh, ice cubes on her chest so that she would feel a little bit better, and then. Um, you know, all of a sudden, uh, William Ryan of hers is like, all right, I just saw nine and a half weeks. So uh, <laughs> yeah. what, what can we do? I can work with this. I can work with this. Give me something. Hearst makes more money off the Arbuckle coverage than almost any other story he ever ran, even once where he, he caused nations to go to war. Mm-hmm. He even remarked that the story was more profitable than the sinking of the Lusitania, which, if you don't know, is the ship taken down by German U-boats that was carrying enough Americans that it forced public opinion to get us into the war, even though Woodrow Wilson said, no, no, no right. not going to happen, guys. Yeah. So, yeah, Wilson ran on uh, this uh, campaign slogan of he kept us out of war. And then uh, with the sinking of the Lusitania. By the way, I'm going to need to borrow a couple of your sons. Uh, <laughs> yeah. High would prove to be cowards back then just as much as they are today, folks. Shocker, right? Um, Nothing never changes. <laughs> yeah, people wonder why I'm not doing better for my career. <laughs> just shit on. You don't have controversy. That's kind of a good thing. We're trying. We're courting trying. controversy. All right. Escape from Jacksonville. All right. Check it out, folks. Free yeah. on YouTube. Uh, the public opinion of Arbuckle is very much not positive right now. Uh, so even though this proverbial cash cow for Hollywood, pun intended, uh, he was making so much money for them literally minutes ago. Now this public opinion of him is not so positive. Studio execs will tell actors and industry alike not to make any remarks about the situation, which is ironic that now silent film stars will speak out. You mentioned earlier, uh, CJ, yes. uh, Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin. Yes. Now these are the guys – these are – I thought highly of them coming into this. I didn't know much about Buster Keaton. I knew about the Great Train robbery and stuff like that. Yeah. Chaplin always made you – like you could understand like the comedic value of a guy like that. Um, then you find out that these guys stand up to Hollywood and you're like, all right, that's pretty fucking rad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and, and you got to remember too that Hollywood back then, the studios owned the actors and actresses. I mean – You had an exclusive contract for RKO yeah, Pictures. Right. So if you speak up for – uh, in the defense of uh, Roscoe Arbuckle, we're, you're, you're not going to work again. Right? You're, you're, mm-hmm. We're, we're going to destroy you if you come to the defense of of, uh, of this guy. And, and Unless everybody... you make Lethal Weapon 5. Come yes. back to us, Mel. Come yes. back. <laughs> well, those guys were making uh, uh, silent films, even though talkies were you know, here. They were still oh, making they're like, they're like They're like, we're still making silent films. So the silent films were going against talkies. That's kind of yeah. Cool. Early on, uh, there was like you know, the, the the talkies. The first talkie was the jazz singer, jazz and that singer, was in yeah. 1927. So we're in what 1921 right now. <laughs> How funny is that? The, yeah. the, okay, so that's the first talkie is the jazz singer. The jazz yeah. singer. Because imagine if they tried to make that. It's a silent film. The jazz singer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Telling you in subtitles, she's killing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's uh, that's Al Jolson, and and, yeah. and that was really the is credited as the first uh, the first talkie, and really that was not a full length motion picture. Everybody talking dialogue and everything else. There was only really snippets of conversation and snippets of uh, Al Jolson uh, singing on that. That was you know. By today's standards, it wasn't really synced real well, but uh, <laughs> it was still something other than just you know background uh, music. Needs or, a little Chris Mad in their life, don't they? Right? <laughs> and the editors were like, "Yeah, it looks close enough." <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> hey, it's make. He, I can see his lips moving and words are coming out. So right. uh, I had the students do that. They would take a movie clip and they would take their voice and put it and cut like. John Travolta's oh, voice out funny. of Pulp Fiction and put theirs in. But it, it wasn't perfect because they were kind of doing it on the fly. Yeah. So you just see their mouths move a little bit and then the words would come out. And I was like, yeah, that's like the jazz singer. And they're like, what? <laughs> there, there's some movie that I read about not too long ago where uh, they had to redo all the dialogue and that's why it sounds like extra choppy and it almost like made people sound European and stuff because nothing uh, matched. I can't remember what it was. I'll whenever they film a beach, it's usually ADR'd. Really? If oh, you ever see a BC, it's ADR. Yeah, because the wind and the, the waves. and ah. So whenever you see a beach scene, they redid that. Learning shit here today, folks. Okay. <laughs> We're still go. teaching people stuff. We're That's still it. learning, right? That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> well, what I like about Buster Keaton and uh, Charlie Chaplin, uh, again, ironically, silent film stars speak out. The two will defend their friend and speak of his good heart. They remark about his shyness around women. And their combined refusal to believe that a man like Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle would do the devious things mentioned in William Randolph Hearst's paper. So definitely that, that's when you got your friends actually sticking up for you over here. Um, Dad, now it's, the, it's time for a story. <laughs> <laughs> About a man named Brady. Yeah, Matt Brady, in fact, folks. Uh, so, so, you see that, by the way? This is how smooth this has gotten in almost four years here. All right? I set up a volley. He returns it. Okay? We're nailing shit today. <laughs> Matt Brady would make public comments about Arbuckle's guilt while it was very popular to do so. He also happened to be the prosecutor of the case and had aims of running for governor of California afterwards. Yeah, he had some political aspirations, inspirations, yeah. perspirations, all those. A little bit of an ambitious prick, if you yeah. ask me. <laughs> well, that's about him here. Yeah. So, uh, he also, like I said, happens to be the prosecutor for this case, thinks that that's going to be his ticket to the big time, if you will. Um, now, again, he's rumored to have engaged in false testimonies. This used to be like I think he would sit there and say, oh, well, listen, if you say this, then I'll say this in the – almost like he's like, let's run lines. We're doing a scene right, right now. You know? Right, right, And in this scene, we're going to convict Fatty Arbuckle of a rape he probably didn't commit. Wow. So, uh, anyway, but again, make up your mind here, folks, on what you think, where you want to draw the line. I understand that you want to – you do – and I'm being sincere about this part – you do want to believe women when they say something bad happened. And then you also have to look objectively at everything that's going on here. Just make so. sure they're not like Amber Heard. That's the whole thing. I, I really think that's going to be a landmark case for it where you just realize, you know, okay, hey, sometimes – the, listen, the crazy – that's the sad part too is when the crazy bitches ruin um, – The real stuff. Good people's right. yeah. legitimate Absolutely. grievances. Absolutely. Legitimate. So um, – but again, he's got uh, Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin speaking in his favor here. But then the prosecutor is sitting there. He can't wait to talk shit about him, too. So he's got William Randolph Hearst against him. So the friends are few and far between, but his friends are good friends over here. So I like that part for old uh, a boy fatty. But um, this guy Brady is, again, rumored to uh, often engage in false testimonies. He also would seek the death penalty for Fatty Arbuckle. But Repay's friend's stories kept changing. And then a letter surfaced from one witness of the party and her uh, attempt to uh, literally extort uh, Arbuckle. That was your girl, um, 
uh, Maud. Maud Delmont, yeah. Yeah. And Maud, again, the, the times right now, too, is that we're going into the 20s, like the Roaring 20s. You might have heard of that, right? Where, you know. Not familiar. Keep the, going. The younger, <laughs> <laughs> the younger generation is uh, like this country is going to hell in a handbasket because of this younger generation. We got flappers. We got people that are illegally drinking and Hollywood movie stars are being paid millions of dollars. Meanwhile, some poor schlep is lucky to make 10 bucks a week. And uh, spending it all on cocaine, you know, and we're really just coming out of the the Victorian era. So yeah. you know, we're those Victorian values, or at least face values, were you were supposed to be prim and proper, and you know, uh, driving or girls driving around with boys in cars. I mean, uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's a little risque. Right? <laughs> um Different bathing suits, bathing yeah. suits, yeah. wearing a bathing suit. Oh my God, showing you know, showing leg uh, at the beach, kind of a thing. That's uh, that's just scandalous behavior by this younger generation. And, and Hollywood is like the focal point of uh, all of this, so everything that's going wrong with this country in some people's minds. So, um, you know, this prosecutor Matt Brady is making these uh, outrageous. Um, accusations, unfounded accusations, because backed up by the biggest uh, publications and uh, the, the journalism king, if you will. Right, right, right. Oh, it must be true. It's in a in a Hearst newspapers, right? Well, I mean, it's so much so that the the story actually has the uh, and just the rumors that are circulating. It winds up seeing uh, our boy Fatty gets arrested, and this major Hollywood star has to spend three weeks in prison before obtaining bail. Wow. Now, his now estranged wife would meet with him. And Fatty tells her, teary-eyed and, and you know, compassionately, he goes, I, I never hurt Virginia Rapay. I never hurt her. And his estranged wife goes, I believe you. I believe you. You're telling the truth. I, I think you're, and she appears in court regularly to support her estranged husband. But the mob at this time, at the start of the trial, is so hungry for blood right. that his wife, Minta Durfee, okay, an actress who's just standing, standing by the, the guy who, you know, she spent a lot of the years of her life with. They were no longer together here. Um, but she stands by him because she believes that he's being wrongfully accused, just as Chaplin and Buster Keaton have said, this does not fit the guy that we know. It just sounds like bull. And, by the, you know, and they're not even saying, let's look into Virginia Repay and her bullshit. They're saying, this doesn't fit the guy we know. We're dealing with just our friend Fatty Arbuckle here. Um, but the mob is so hungry for blood that his wife actually gets shot at while attempting to enter the courtroom. Wow. Yeah, that's how the, the, they were out for blood. Public opinion is, is, is uh, at a oh, fever yeah. pitch. Let's always go with the mob here, folks. The mob's never wrong, right? Well, we never learn more afterwards. keeps repeating itself over and over. <laughs> that's it. Uh, this is where Kahuna would be like, well, it's kind of like how the Democrats are really Republicans. Now. <laughs> Shut up, Kahuna. <laughs> um, the prosecution witnesses gave stellar stories. Okay, stellar stories. They told the tale of a hateful and vindictive bully named Fatty Arbuckle who assaulted young Virginia against her clear non-consent. He would use his physicality to overpower her, causing bruises on her body before she relented and was essentially raped to death. The only problem was that almost all of Brady's witnesses failed to hold up under cross-examination. That's the problem when you rehearse it like a, a scene, you know, when, when Brady's like, all right, then I'll say this and then your cue is to say that. And then Somebody comes in like, oh, hey, so real quick, that thing you were doing there. And they go, um, what's my line? What, Brady, what's my – he can't talk right now, all right? Yeah. <laughs> None of them seem to hold up under questioning here on the cross-examination. Details are missing. Accounts are conflicting. And Fatty Arbuckle's entire life and livelihood is on the line. And it seems like it's becoming a little bit of a charade. The circus is in town. 
very much like uh, for the last couple of weeks of the, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, I couldn't you couldn't get away from that. People are like oh, sending I, you highlights at the end of a day. I tried to not pay attention. Kids were coming into school. Did uh, you see what happened today? <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I don't want to know. Yeah, kids. They're both crazy. <laughs> oh, that, it was it was a crazy. That, that's a moment in time. That whole trial. It's going to be a pop culture moment for forever here. As much I'm sure this was too. Um, and again, like we said, uh, Arbuckle he finally does get to testify though here, and uh, he says that he finds uh, he gets to testify last in this. Um, I don't want to give it away here, folks, but yeah. I'm going to say it: his first trial, CJ. Oh, yeah. Uh, they don't let him go easy here. Arbuckle will finally testify that he found Miss Repay vomiting in his hotel bathroom after she had asked for a place to go get changed. It appeared Miss Repay was drunk and acting out, which was something that was relatively common for those who knew her pretty well. Um, she was a, a pretty young thing, a little slender figure, probably drank a little bit too much enough. Like we said, she was having uh, uh, UTIs from alcoholism. Um, now, she's in there. She's uh, apparently she's drunk and acting out in this uh, hotel room. Uh, she had ripped her clothing in a blackout state with witnesses, by the way. They all te- you know, testified to that. Uh, and now with more witnesses, they say Fatty Arbuckle carried her into a cold bathtub with ice in an attempt to ease her pain. And the hotel doctor was summoned almost immediately. Arbuckle held up under cross-examination, and his matter-of-fact responses led the jury to having a mistrial. Mistrial. No. So. Yeah. And there were witnesses of him um, placing her in this you know, ice bath to try to relieve her pain. And the, the hotel doctor was saying, yeah, she's nothing more than really drunk that uh, they were trying to ease her her abdominal pains with the uh, icy bath and try to sober her up a little bit. Take a, yep. Go take a cold shower. Well, you don't have a shower back then. Go go take a cold bath to uh, oh, yeah. try to sober you up or bring you around or to ease, your, ease the abdominal pain that she was feeling. And William Randolph Hearst is just sitting there. You know, yeah, like, how, we do can, I, how do I spin this one? All we right. can twist this in a different way. Bathtub, bathtub. Hey, we need to sell more Coke. Um, <laughs> yeah. What if we do product integration? <laughs> So the first trial leads to a mistrial, okay? Unfortunately, the second trial will begin on January 11th, 1922, right smack dab in the middle of your aforementioned Roaring Twenties, Dad. Uh, yeah. This time with some crucial new evidence, right? Wow. Can, can you just can hear You can hear there the news live bastards just come with crucial new evidence of the Fatty Arbuckle rape trial. A security guard from a Hollywood set testifies that Fatty Arbuckle had once bribed him for the key to Repay's dressing room. Arbuckle claimed... It was for a prank he intended to play on her. Because, again, they knew each other. They weren't super close, but they knew each other. Um, and, by the way, you had to know each other a little bit to get invited to a hotel party in 1920s uh, you know, uh, era. You, yeah. you, you weren't just meeting people. Um, so uh, cross-examination, like we said, uh, will come into play here again. Because, first of all, the key is never actually given to Fatty Arbuckle. So he never even got the key yeah, to do so the, the, the security guard never got the key, never gave the key to Arbuckle. And cross-examination, however, will reveal that the security guard... A sexual offender, okay? Do you know how bad you have to be to be a sexual offender in 1922? They didn't even have half the laws on the books yet. A sexual offend, uh, he was a sexual offender who was attempting to give false testimony in exchange for a lighter sentence from a scumbag district attorney named Matthew Brady. Wow. Yeah, so, hey, you owe me a favor. Why don't you come in here and tell me that story again real quick? Say it reminds of me of the guy from Ghostbusters. That's a... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which one, uh, Walter Peck? Or yes, Walter Peck. Walter Peck, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what he, 
Best line of Ghostbusters, most underrated one, too, is, uh, yeah, Dickless here came over and shut us down. Is this true? Yes, this man has no dick. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Brady is a real prick, though, man. Real son of a bitch here. But because of that, he looks dumb again. Uh, and the second trial will now also end in a mistrial. Again, thanks to cross-examination. And the truth is winning here. Okay, that, that seems to be what you want to have happen. Uh, I've made up my mind about this case. I'm, I'm open to interpretation. If you guys come up with anything else here, I know my father's got some more research again. But it really does seem like the uh, yellow journalism tainted any fair shot at a trial that uh, Fatty Arbuckle had here. So the second trial has now ended in a mistrial. All right. Thank God it's over now, right, CJ? Not quite, huh? Trial number three. Well, it takes three. <laughs> got to have a three part of a movie, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the truth. Uh, and then they'll do like a, a, a prequels. You know, <laughs> prequels are like years later, a fourth one comes out and yeah. bombs like Superman four, <laughs> an expanded series where you can focus on the small characters. It's yeah, Matthew well, but, Brady's origin story. <laughs> while all this is going on and public opinion is turning against Arbuckle, uh, the movie uh, studios just um, crumble and they start bringing in. Um, yeah, they ban Arbuckle. They shut Arbuckle's movies down. You can't see his movies. You can't find him anywhere. He's not getting any work, of right. course. And um, nobody is allowed to speak in his defense. Unless you are you are untouchable at the level of Keaton. Right, and, uh, lover, right, right. But if you're just, you know, Joe Average actor, if you speak in, in uh, Roscoe's defense, we're going to shut you down. You'll never work in this town again. What about the movies he did with the big boys? Were they like gone too? Oh, Keystone Cops. I'm sure a lot of it disappeared for a while. He gets a little bit of a renaissance to a degree here. Once you know, he really fits the the prototype of the American loser so much because uh, I would say him and Orson Welles are just two of the most cursed Hollywood figures we've yeah. ever covered on the show. I mean, it, it's pretty uh, ridiculous here. <laughs> and again, so his career is pretty much over. He's not able to work. Okay. His wife is estranged. She's getting shot at just for trying to support her, you know, uh, uh, for, I shouldn't say ex-husband. Um, but she got shot at uh, even trying to come into the courtroom to support him early on. And now they keep saying, but, hey, it's a mistrial every time because this guy is lambasting me with bullshit. We're calling, you know, right. calling him out on it. And then they're crumbling. But the public opinion is still there. And it's starting to soften a little bit. But Hollywood, because they're Hollywood, they just sit there and say, no controversy for us, thank you. We'll just uh, we'll find another funny fat guy. Yeah, and then they uh, Hollywood, the studios come together and decide that um, we're going to start to police ourselves because there was other accusations about some of these scandalous Hollywood movies that were being put out. Um, there was a quote, too, just to, uh, to show you the times, too. It was... Um, uh, there was a quote that said, uh, a man like Fatty Arbuckle has no place in our glorious industry. He should be ashamed of himself for his actions. Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, this is where the whole uh, movie censorship started to come in, too, with the, the Hayes Commission, that uh, this guy Hayes um, is hired by the, by the studios to kind of police their own work type of a thing. So you had to get through or past the Hayes Commission in order to have your movie uh, played in whatever theater center. Nowadays, it's China. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but I mean, that was the, the, uh, the movie studios, the movie industry trying to police themselves. And there's a whole, you know, a whole nother story just with the, with the Hayes Commission and what, uh, what results they had on the, on the movie industry uh, far beyond uh, Mr. Arbuckle's uh, time. But uh, Yeah. Well, um, 
Trial number three, fueled on by Hearst Papers and more, we'll see Fatty Arbuckle's movies banned, again, like you said, Dad, while provingly false accusations such as uh, Maud Delmont, who, by the way, you want to talk about it. Uh, this is when you're an evil bitch. <laughs> yeah, she, All right. she is the description of... I, I tried. I started being objective at the beginning of this because I do have sensitivity for some of that stuff and uh, the, the, the plight of women, especially ones in Hollywood, where they can be silenced is a, a gross thing to me. But when Maud Delmont, who has a written letter showing her, uh, her desire and uh, um, decision to attempt to blackmail Fatty Arbuckle into, uh, you know, giving her some cash to quiet her down, mm-hmm. uh, and then she's the star witness and then her testimony's falling apart because she's full of shit and then it's a girl she just met too dad that's now it's my greatest friend virginia repay yeah she only met a couple of days I remember before. the 72 hours we spent together once <laughs> um she is now on tour doing one woman shows across the country cj oh it sounds uh, like a familiar person that did that recently <laughs> who are you talking about <laughs> so she is touring the nation, giving one-woman shows, talking about where she's being touted as uh, the woman who pulled the trigger against Fatty Arbuckle, uh, the evil Fatty Arbuckle, taken down by heroic you know, Maud Delmont, this awful – I mean, she is just uh, uh, – money-grubbing is the word I'll use. Yeah, now she was at the party at the hotel, and it was by her testimony, if you will, to the uh, prosecutor that they started bringing up all these charges – Against uh, Roscoe, right from the right from the get go. You are such a gentleman. You 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 won't even call him fatty. He's been dead years, and you're just like out of respect. We're going to call him Roscoe. Roscoe. He didn't like being called fatty, so I'm just I'm, I'm uh, yeah I'm I'm giving him the nod. All right, so Roscoe, Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle, um, but they even the the prosecutors and the police knew that you know Maud Delmon, although she's making the 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 main accusations against him. Um, she's never going to be called to testify at the trial because they know that she, she's not going to hold up because she's a dirtbag. She's, uh, oh, you know, yeah, here comes the shit show. She's, yeah, <laughs> that, uh, she's on her Charlie Sheen tour. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was just, it was just so, so sad for, uh, Mr. Arbuckle. And keep in mind, stand-up's not for everyone, okay? You know what I mean? <laughs> Colin Quinn has a one-person show. He's able to pull it off, but not everybody <laughs> gets to. Um, trial number three, like we were saying here, though. Trial number three will end with acquittal for Arbuckle. Okay? <laughs> acquittal, finally, okay? This poor bastard's getting a little bit of luck his way. And even to the point where public opinion has started to turn enough now and the evidence that's been presented to the people in the know – I always say this, too. Whenever the mob gets angry about something, like, hey, it, it can't be that bad, or maybe there's something that other people know that we haven't been made aware of yet. So maybe wait and kind of try to see if you can find that info out. Well, it eventually starts coming to light here, so much so to the point that the jury feels like an acquittal isn't even enough. They will write and deliver. This is a jury. A jury writes and delivers a full apology to Fatty Arbuckle and hoped for full exoneration and his acceptance back into mainstream society and Hollywood, okay? Because they thought it was very clear, having seen the evidence, the jury recognized this, that Fatty was not responsible for the death of Virginia Rapay, and all 12 jurors, even the two alternates, okay? Your 12 angry men and the two alternates all walk past him, shake hands, apologize to him, and then pose for photos with the guy, saying, we really hope you make a comeback here. It's absolutely horrible what's been done to you and your reputation. And Fatty Arbuckle's like, well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. That's really good of you. That's how 
seemingly kind of a human being this guy is. All I wanted was the truth to come out, that kind of a thing. But he deserved uh, a little bit more than acquittal. That's what a lot of people thought here because these charges should be thrown out. Because forever now, when you Google this guy, um, this rape case is going to come up here. Now, I thought when I first heard about it, I was like, whoa, I mean, that – that's not too much of a stretch here to have a, a leading man in Hollywood, especially like a, a fat guy who maybe doesn't isn't used to getting women. They they sometimes can tend to be abusive. They're acting out, carrying out stuff from like transgressions from their youth before they were famous or something like that, um, or just getting caught up in a lavish Hollywood lifestyle. And then you read about it, and you're like, this is beyond brutal. Yeah. what we were reading about. So. The court of public opinion was still mixed, though, and Hollywood, the center of decent and fair play as they are, <laughs> will still yeah, continue right. to ban his movies and blacklist the actor from returning to work. If not for the use of a fake name as a director, it would take many years before Fatty Arbuckle would be able to work publicly again. Having taken from the man his only profession, Arbuckle begins drinking to extremes. Okay? He's hitting the booze pretty hard here. Minta will eventually file for divorce, but will continue to speak glowingly of her former husband, saying that they're best friends. They love each other. Kind of like Depp and his ex-wife, when she's like, no, he's an amazing human being and I love him. Yeah, she still loves him after all this, huh? Oh, yeah. that's that. that there's something to be said about that, you know? Um, <laughs> the uh, It's pretty wild here, too. Uh, again, though, he's drinking real heavy. He's a big guy. That's not a great mix, okay? You know, uh, uh John Candy could still be alive if he had changed some stuff around. Farley yeah. should still be alive if he changed a few things around. Um, but again, he's going to booze real heavy over here. Uh, those within the industry to the power to stand up to the mob would help to see a little bit of a small comeback for Fatty Arbuckle before his death via heart attack, age 46. Wow. That's some sad shit, man. That's, well, that, that'd be coming up me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a, <laughs> yeah. Got to watch my, my liquor. It's a... Uh, <laughs> Now, the, the final little detail here that I want to say is kind of his last um, public words, if you will, Dad. So before I get into that, did you have anything else that you wanted to hit here? Because, you know, Virginia Repay, it's sad that a woman died. Okay. I think we can all agree on that. We're Absolutely. Very, very sad that a, a pretty young lady died who clearly was going through some issues too, some substance abuse stuff, which is serious. And I hope anybody who needs help with that gets help with it. Um, I, I think she's really a victim here too because she was clearly – the events that led to her death were taken advantage of by Matt Brady, Maud Delmont, William Randolph Hearst. When a, a young woman dies, it shouldn't be like, all right, well, how do we profit off of this? Yeah. And the worst part is that Fatty Arbuckle, the guy who's now lowering her into uh, a bathtub full of ice, uh, trying to help this poor young lady out because uh, he's a kind man, has his life ruined because he's the only guy in the story that seems to have done the right thing. Yeah. So it's pretty shitty over there. You anything you want to send us out on for the good uh, folks over at the Founding Losers? Uh, just at the end of at the end of that, I mean, through all his legal troubles and everything else, through the, the three trials where he was finally acquitted. I mean, everybody makes mention of uh, you know he's he had a million dollar a year contract with I believe Paramount Pictures and stuff, but um, his legal defense cost him nearly a million dollars and back back then money. So yeah. I mean, he, he was basically just busted. He um, no longer had a career, uh, no longer had any money. So I mean, it was just it was totally and completely ruinous to uh, to Roscoe Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle. Well, it's sad here too because uh, his last public words, he got remarried now. Okay, and he just signed a deal with Warner Brothers Pictures for a full feature film. Okay, and his last public words were, "This is the best day of my life." 
dies of a heart attack in his sleep that night. No. Yeah. Yeah, that is at age 46 here. Um, I don't uh, like you, ending. Go ahead. I just the other little. Are you gonna do the epic north or the north? Uh, no, just a tiny little tidbit that um, you know after all the bad publicity that he got, courtesy of uh, William Randolph Hearst and stuff with the with the trial and stuff, he did try to come make a comeback, if you will, and he changed his name to William B. Goodrich. Will will be good. Will be good. I think that was Buster Keaton's idea for the name, actually, because he liked puns, apparently. Okay. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure I have this little um, thing right here because I, I found this detail like maybe 15, 20 minutes into Ambien. So, uh, <laughs> but it's pretty good. It's pretty good here. So there was an actor at the time uh, that was around Buster Keaton and uh, Charlie Chaplin. And I, I believe it was Buster Keaton in particular that took umbrage with this. But uh, – he was out loud saying like, oh, Fatty Arbuckle was a piece of shit. I hope he gets the death penalty, blah, blah, blah. And Buster Keaton's like, you're talking about my friend there, you know? Uh, you sure you want to be doing this? So what they do is that uh, they actually work on a script together, Buster Keaton and Fatty Arbuckle. I believe the movie is called uh, The Frozen North. And it was a big uh, – it was a, The Frozen North. And it was about a, uh, a loud, obnoxious guy who kept accusing people of – like pretty much taking – they made a character – a total buffoon character based off of this guy. Okay. Oh, CJ brought it up right there. Yeah, it's a uh, he's a bandit asshole, and it was oh, it was a Buster Keaton movie. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So it's a uh, Buster Keaton plays a bumbling villain. But yeah, bumbling villain in the parody uh, of melodrama. It's completely making fun of this guy. It's doing a whole character where it's like if uh, if Kahuna was mad at me and he just made a movie called Fuck You, KP Burke. <laughs> 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 So they put this movie out as a giant middle finger, and apparently the guy uh, uh, never speaks to him again, uh, never speaks to Buster Keaton again, which is hilarious because, again, silent film star, I'm not going to talk to you. (laughs) 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 But real quick, I just want to say thank you again to the Founding Losers. You guys really are the best. Um, Shout out to – we always like to give shout outs to everybody that we can, and we're going to do a a proper episode because we got some, some cool changes coming up. I'm excited about them. Me and uh, LP have to have a meeting after this over, uh, over <laughs> some flat iron steak. <laughs> okay, there you uh, go. It's a good, yeah, it's a, it's a business. That always, okay. yeah, we're writing it off. We're writing <laughs> there it off, you go. Um, Thank you, uh, Patreons. But we absolutely love you guys. You're the only reason the show can continue here. We are coming up. September will be four years of us doing this show. Oh. Uh, Get out. Four years? Four years, Four sir. years. Congrats yeah. on that. Good Lord. It's nuts, man. Yep. It's, uh, that's a lot of research papers. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's what we got. And we have to – here's the problem. We burn a topic. We, we cut through everything. We do – and we leave – some uh, some meat on the bones, and we want to figure out a way to start bringing that back over here. But the Patreon folks, you have let us get into the deeper dives, uh, the heavier topics, the stuff that I, I I just love you guys. It means a lot that you uh, support the show as diligently as you do. I love that we have people that have stuck around since day one. I love that we're still getting people as of two days ago. So it means a lot to me here. Uh, thank you to Mike and Ming over Shared Universe. Okay, thank you to the great and powerful C.J. Cullen. All right, anything you want to promote <laughs> or plug? I'm just excited that school ends tomorrow. And I go on vacation. <laughs> Congratulations on that. Right. I got a Miami trip. I got a Houston trip. All well-earned, too. If, if you guys don't know, CJ is a great uh, educator of the youth as well. Youth um, of America. Educating the youth of America. And he's got one more wake-up until he's free at last. Free yeah. at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free till September. Today was a long <laughs> one, so tomorrow's going to be like, uh, why are we here? <laughs> <laughs> well, no one knows more about that than uh, old shop teacher here to my right. 
But uh, we, again, have a great time doing this show. So thank you so much, CJ, for coming in for this. We yeah. wanted to bring you in as both an engineer and then also a guy in the industry. I, I'm, yeah, awesome. You knew, you pulled out some good nuggets on us here, too, <laughs> man. Um, that was, a, a to me, uh, an episode of the show where I thought I knew the story. And then upon further research, you're like, oh, shit. Okay, so I hope we illuminate a little bit more here. And it's not just Johnny Depp figuring out that uh, that, that shit's bigger than my dog's shit. It can't be. Did my wife crap the bed? <laughs> so... Anyway, uh, anything you want to say on the way out, LP? No, just with that little nugget that you just threw out no, there. Nugget, pun intended. We're, uh, we're uh, really elevating this whole thing from beyond that. I think so, too. Um, it was a good one. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Do me a favor. You want to continue to support the show. You already know how to do that because you're doing it here on Patreon. It means a lot to us. Uh, if you want to leave a review for the show over on iTunes, that always helps as well. And the biggest thing you can do right now uh, Big Kahuna worked his ass off. He filmed and directed uh, what some are calling uh, the comedy event of the century. Yeah. <laughs> there uh, you go. No, I'm not calling it that. I will say this, though. Uh, it means a lot to me for everybody who's checked out Escape from Jacksonville already. The clips took off on Instagram. Uh, over six million on the COVID joke. We just hit a million on the feminist proposal joke. That's really awesome. It means a lot when people I know are saying that, oh, I saw that, you know, generically popped up. Um, but uh, if you can, the best thing you can do is to comment on the YouTube link where the full free special is up. The entire album is out there. It's supposed to go to SiriusXM first. We couldn't get it on there for a lawsuit thing. That's going to be cleared up soon. So right not, now, not a, no lawsuit against us, just a yeah. lawsuit in general. Yeah, just other. against Kahuna. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, SiriusXM is about to start taking on uh, more content again, content again, which is great. But uh, the best thing you can do right now uh, to help me keep the feather in my cap is if you can leave a comment on the YouTube video, just say Founding Loser or uh, uh, Fatty Arbuckle or something like that. Uh, that's the way I know that it's you guys because it's coming from uh, the good people over at the Laugh Button. And guys, thank you again. Cannot thank you enough. We appreciate all that you guys do. We hope you enjoy this exclusive episode of American Loser on Fatty Arbuckle. Roscoe. <laughs> An American Loser the day I was born An American Loser the day I was born An American loser the day I was born